This episode is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Gamefly.com delivers games right to your door. Over 8,000 titles. Go to Gamefly.com slash Sandra or this episode's page on Nerdist.com and click on the banner to get a free 15-day trial. Hello, friends. Before we start this week's podcast, I just want to let you know, in case you're in the Southern California area, that I'll be speaking at the Queen Mary this weekend at the Bill Conference, which is like the common man's answer to the TED Conference, which is really hard to get into. So lots of smart people are going to be there. And at the Queen Mary, they're going to have the mask sex positive boiler room where I'll be talking on sex nerdery. I'll be talking about you and and sex nerds and and what does it mean to um, be a sex nerd in the bedroom. So that'll be happening. And it'll be on YouTube eventually. Um, But yeah, basically, if you're a smart person who can drive your butt to the Queen Mary, I highly recommend you do because it'll be lots of fun. It's only 50 bucks for the weekend. And uh, I'll be there learning a whole ton about sex and uh, other amazing things because there'll be the sex room uh, where we talk about sex and then there'll be the uh, main room. So good times, billconference.com, 1-L-B-I-L, conference.com. Also, there are invites for... Uh, mask sex positive boiler room and the regular bill conference on facebook oh information anyway it'll be fun i'll be kind of nervous but excited and i would love if people who listen come and join us so uh big hugs and enjoy the show now entering nerdist.com welcome to the sex nerd sandra podcast Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Sex nerds, hello. Sandra here. Dave. Hello. Hi, guess what? What? (laughs) Uh, I think this is the part where I tell everyone the big news about our show. Let's hear it. Oh my god! Oh my god! Hang on. That we had over a million listeners. Yes. Wow, we That's so we, good. We have had over a million listens um, since the beginning of our show in August, and it's kind of redonk to see that number written out. Right. Like, just like seeing it and like, especially wow. in so little time. That's so great. Yeah. So that's like two million years. Guys, thank you, thank you. So anyway, Dave Ross says thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it, I'm and thank Dave you. Ross. That's me. I'm Sandra Doherty. Hello. That's Sandra. We both thank you. All our listeners, thanks. <laughs> and thank you for sharing it with your friends. You know, I've never, I haven't gotten any comments yet that you've shared it with your mom, but thank you for sharing it with your friends. Yes. Kind of understand that you don't share it with your mom. Uh, well, I kind of get it. I, I want to say friends and family, but then like your friend, it's your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to our show with your kids. That'd be the most awkward car ride ever. Do any of you do that? Listen. To the podcast. That's interesting. What if that would be great if listening to this podcast was some parent's way of having the talk with right. their kids? I would love that. Of course, it would be kind of a crash course depending right. on which episode they were listening to. It yeah, to start with taboo, right? Yeah, or the one about was taboo. No, there was a later one uh, where we talked about role play and murder play. <laughs> right. Well, taboo is the one. So that's sex about is when you kill incest yeah. fan- fantasy. You know, just either. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Let's not. Yeah, yeah it doesn't, don't, don't do, do that. that one. Did I ever tell you what my dad's sex talk with me is? Was it folding laundry? Yes. Yeah. We've talked about it on the show, is right? It, like, I just remember him throwing clothes really angrily. He was. Well, because my mom caught me making out with a girl. Uh, I had to have the door open. And I didn't think, 
I don't know why I, you know, yeah, I have the door open no, so I can make out with whoever I want. <laughs> it's so stupid. And she caught me, and my dad called me downstairs very angrily, and he was folding laundry. Yes. Like, he couldn't, he had to be angry, but he was folding clothing. So it was just like, and there was nothing aggressive about it. And then he w- he just said, David, don't have sex. You'll get a disease. Oh. And that was the whole thing. That's uh, the whole thing. That's her problem. That's and that's he was right. Talk. I have so many diseases. <laughs> but it's not from the sex. It's from the needle <laughs> right. sharing. Exactly. <laughs> <the> heroin. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Our guest tonight is heroin. <laughs> no, so uh, in the studio today, we have author and performer Jillian Lauren here. Hello. Hello. Thanks Hi. for having me. Welcome. Thank you for coming out. Thank you. Funny enough, um, I actually have two friends, Elaine Smith and Shira Tarrant. Oh, yeah. And they talked to me about you a long time ago, and they were just like, she's so cool. She's the best. She wrote these books. And so the fact that we've come together now and you're on my show is really exciting. Oh, well, that is lovely. Yeah, both those women are really kick-ass. Yeah, Shira um, was on our show for masculinity, talking about just Mm -hmm. like man issues. Uh, So today, see, Jillian has written, well, at least two books. And I know you're working on a third. I am. Right? And I'm most fascinated with your book, Some Girls, My Life in a Harem. Right. That's my memoir. Yes. Uh, right. Because Pretty is a novel. A novel. Yeah. A novel. Um, and I just, well, I used to belly dance. And so there was a little bit of fantasy involved. I'm like, oh, hair, it's, oh, it's like it's a really neat thing. But truly, you actually did get to live with a group of women in a palace. I did. Tell, tell me about that. Um, I was in the harem of the Prince of Brunei and I use the word harem in in sort of a poetic sense. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't a a traditional harem and there are harems all over the world and really they're just uh, households that are uh, all the women in a family Mm -hmm. live sequestered from men. Um, So that isn't what it was. This was really a world of women Mm -hmm. who were all there for the prince. And in this case, it was Prince Jeffrey Bolkia, the Prince of Brunei. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lived in this palace. It was really his pleasure palace. He li- actually lived mm-hmm. somewhere else. And at this palace, we would go to these parties every mm-hmm. night. And at the parties, there would be drinking and there would be dancing and there would be women, us, mm-hmm. the party girls, the harem mm-hmm. girls. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you lived with all the women at at his pleasure palace. Yes, we did. We lived in guest houses on the property. Okay, all right, cool. I just, I mean, I just imagine women hang out with each other, and then the parties happen, and then you go do your thing, thing. Yeah, no, basically, basically. Uh huh. But tell me, (laughs) there's so much. There's so much. I mean, yeah. What? Yeah, you said you go do your thing. I'm, I'm still sort of lost. I, uh, I, I know basically what a harem is, and now I know a little bit more what it is. But, uh, but I mean, were you, I mean, you say there was a party every night, but do, was it basically just like laying in wait until the, no, the prince would it was come not, by? and not every, it, it wasn't entirely a sexual thing and we weren't prostitutes per se. Sure. Not every woman in that room was sleeping with the prince or with anyone, but certainly some were, I was, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and there were maybe fifty women, give or take, at any given oh, okay. time there. And the prince would come, you know, at at some point in the party with around nine or ten of his 
friends, his entourage, really. Sure. Ministers, uh, you know, air, head of the Air Force, friends of his. And, uh, and, and they would usually have a girlfriend at the party. And then there would be... It, it was a party. It wasn't an orgy. It right. wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't some giant sex extravaganza. It was drinking, which was illegal in Brunei, Ooh. officially. Ooh, I don't even know where Brunei is. Brunei is a small country on the island of Southeast, uh, on the island of Borneo. Okay. In Southeast Asia. So it's near Indonesia, Thailand. Okay. The Philippines, right? A lot of people assume it's in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I it's totally not. assumed that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, it's Southeast Asian. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm glad you t- said the number because I was imagining more like 20. So uh-huh. the fact that there were 50. And I imagine because, I mean, from what I've talked to other women in this type of work, because this was a while ago. This was what, 15 was, years ago or so? Yeah, 18. 18? Okay, uh-huh. so 18 years ago. But women are wonderful. I mean, Women are uh, utilized as companions, as just a chat, to dance. Um, it's not always just for sexuality, per se. Right. S- and that's primarily what was going on at these mm-hmm. parties, yeah. certainly. But I think that, that the talking, the dancing, the drinking, all of that, um, even though it's not the sex act, I, I do think there's a component of sexuality in all all of those interactions. Totally. Sure. Um, it, it's not like just because not everyone was having sex with him, they were all there, at, you know, engaging in some sort of sexual currency. Mm-hmm. Definitely the sexual currency, for sure. Um, and I have, I've read excerpts from your book and at different times actually because uh, a long time ago a friend loaned me the book and I was like reading some of it and it's just, it's beautifully written. Thank you. Uh, and I believe it's on audible.com and actually guys, Remember? Audiblepodcast.com slash sex nerd. Well, we like to listen to things. No, yeah. You know? It was just a it was a good segue. Yeah, yeah. Pointing that out. I I wasn't intentionally going there and then I remember like, oh yeah, there's a thing. Um anyway, if you want to get a free audio book and now that I'm now I'm there with anyway, let's go back to I'm gonna read this. I wish that I had known I found out just before we started this that that you were the guest. Otherwise I would have read it. Um do you do you mind if I just ask you a bunch of questions that are probably in the book? Do it. Uh, bring it. Okay, because I like... Do you mind? No, oh, go. Okay. Go. I, I love it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm a little taken aback. I, I don't really... I'm not really totally processing uh, the situation you were in uh, right. completely. Um, I mean, so you're... You want to rewind it a little bit and me, for me to tell you how I got there? Yeah, Would that, that help would be you? great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I left home really young. Uh, I was 16. I went to New York. I grew up in Jersey. I'm okay. a Jewish girl from the suburbs of Jersey. I went to New York. Where in Jersey? Sorry. Do you know Jersey? <laughs> yeah, I'm from I'm from uh, like Orange County, New York, and I spent a lot of time in North Jersey. Orange County, New York. Yeah, yeah. It's... Is there an Orange County, New York? Yep, it's like an hour north of huh. uh, the city, up the Jersey border. Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, I'm from Livingston. It's near West Orange. It's in North Jersey. It's about a half hour outside the city. Okay, yeah. Um, that didn't matter, but yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> it's one me. of the eight billion towns in New Jersey. Sure, lots um, of construction. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's just super suburban. You're usually Jewish or Italian yeah. if you live there. They shot The Sopranos nearby. 
Okay. You know, <laughs> you spend a lot of time at like. the Paramus Mall, that type of thing. Um, the Livingston Mall. You didn't need to go as far as Paramus. Oh. There's a mall right there. I wish nice. I'd have known about it. <laughs> it was a real mall, right? Anyway. Um, so I I left home very young. I went to NYU a year early. I went there uh, as an early acceptance oh, student. Nice. But I've decided I had learned everything I needed to know and promptly dropped out. Sure. Uh, 17. Right. So I'm 17 <laughs> and I'm in the city and I have to pay my rent. And I started working as a stripper. I okay. followed a friend of mine into a strip club. She said, you're a terrible cocktail waitress. Come work where they won't care. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll never get up on that stage. You know, two hours later, I was up on the stage. Two hours? Yes. Wow. How did that happen? Well, you know, it was a drink hustle. Uh, the waitresses were required to hustle drinks. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that you talk the customers into buying you a drink and mm-hmm. they're $30 drinks but the customers Holy don't know man. that and, and this was you know 20 years ago they were 30 dollars mm-hmm. drinks well um and they're timed for seven minutes and you get like five mi- five dollars off the top of that drink but what it requires is is for you to hustle these guys and mm-hmm. also to sit and talk to them and so after doing this and then trying to be really absent when the bill comes mm-hmm. and after you know a couple hours of doing this mm-hmm. it, to get up on stage and take my top off seemed like welcome <laughs> wow. to me plus i was already i was an actor i was mm-hmm. in nyu i was in theater school uh, i was in new york doing theater and i it wasn't that much of a stretch yeah. for me to get up on a stage and it wasn't that much more of a stretch for me to take my shirt off mm-hmm. because i had a, a pretty profound lack of boundaries uh due to how i was raised mm-hmm. so as do a lot of young people sure or people in general as do a lot of young people you know and i i definitely was raised in a household that that was very loving um and very generous but also, there was a real lack of boundaries, and there was definitely some abuse, emotional and physical. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't really go out into the world with a real strong sense of self-esteem or with a good idea about boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, sure. Um, so I and was this like, was happening Ooh. when you were 17? Yes. So I started Did they know working. that? Were you lying about your age? I was lying about my age. Okay. It was really yeah. easy to do that at mm-hmm. the time. It was. I think stripping has gone sort of more above bored now it's a more mm-hmm. acceptable thing to do and but at that time it was still kind of the seamy underbelly yeah i yeah. attempted to be a stripper that it didn't work it didn't work because <laughs> what happened they, it was such a random sort of thing <laughs> you just did it at what the didn't work <laughs> yeah no well, um, i was stripping at a kindergarten class i was <laughs> traveling around the u.s um just traveling and i thought oh that'd be a really amazing adventure is to try just stripping uh-huh on my journey since I've never done this just in like towns while I'm and they <laughs> in just in these towns where they are strip clubs but when I would call it was always like well you need to have an in-state driver's license so you need this so you need that and everyone was very like we're about it and I was like right. never mind I'll just go over here should have just gotten a wagon and uh <laughs> yeah at the time wagon. it wasn't like that at all in New York and New York was a very different city then Mm-hmm. I mean, I I was going to clubs in New York when I was fifteen. You wow. know, fourteen, fifteen. No one ever asked me for an ID. I've heard I of these golden times. Yeah, it was a it was golden. a really different city. It was a <laughs> little more free for all. Things have changed. Though. Things have changed a lot. Yeah. Um. You know, and and who knows why that is? I'm not a sociologist, but 
This was my experience at the oh, time. Oh, the salad days of seeing 15-year-olds <laughs> at clubs. You know what I mean? Right, guys? Right, Katie? Okay. <laughs> um, so I then was... So I was working as a stripper, and I was trying to be an actor, mm-hmm. and I wound up on this bee vampire movie. Mm-hmm. And on this vampire movie, I met... a young woman who was to become a very good friend of mine and she told me you don't make enough money and you're going to ruin your knees and you should come and work with me and it's going to be much more glamorous and you'll have way more time for your art Mm -hmm. and she was an escort she said I work at the best escort agency in all of New York she handed me the card it said crown club on it with a little crown over the O and I thought you know never I'll never do that 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 I knew enough to know that escort works is sex for money okay and that that was that was too far and then one day I called yeah um and you know and how I write it in the book is that you know, you find yourself doing things you never thought you'd do. It doesn't usually happen all at once. Sure. You know, you cross one line and then you advance slowly to the next. You get comfortable and where you, you are. And you cross the next yeah. line and then you advance to the next. So uh, then I was an escort in New York. I didn't do it for very long. Uh, somebody approached me and said, there's this casting call and it's to entertain rich businessmen in Singapore. And that didn't, you know, it sounded sketchy, of course, but sure. it didn't sound all that different from what I was doing. And the money to me was astronomical at the time. Mm-hmm. They offered me $20,000 for two weeks of work. Mm-hmm. And Wow, that's still astronomical. It's still yeah. astronomical. I would literally do that. <laughs> You'd go entertain really rich businessmen right in Singapore. Really what would you do? Thank you. <laughs> well, what can you do? I would tell some jokes and give blowjobs. That's what I would do. Anyway. Um, so we are not so different, you and I, David. No, we're not. Um, anyway, I went, to, I went to this casting call and I got the job. And when I got it, they told me, actually, it's not even a job and it's not in Singapore. We are going to invite you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow, what a bait and switch. Yeah. It's not a job and it's not in Singapore. And uh, we are it's inviting a slice of pizza you and it's in my garage. <laughs> to be the personal guest of the Prince of Brunei. Wow. And I said, "Where?" Much like sure. you said. Uh, and I'm just so amazed that this is happening at this in a yeah. moment in your life. Yeah. Wait, so I mean, it's, was- it's interesting because I know it's this very extreme and bizarre thing. I do know that theoretically, but because I've been, I mean, A, I wrote a book about it, but also I lived it. I've been inside of it for mm-hmm. so long. To me, it just seems... Like it's just a story. It just, of course, weren't you in a harem right. in Southeast Asia? It's it's not bizarre to me, you know. Anything kind of becomes just the the daily, thing that happened to you. Yeah, just anything just becomes what your days look like. My my days over there were not that extreme. Were not that bizarre. Were not that exceptional. Really, I saw things that were exotic. I did leave, lead this life that was surreal and luxurious. But also boring. Sure. And also all the typical stuff that would happen. And by the time I went to Brunei, I was 18. Mm-hmm. I had just turned 18. Uh, you know, and, and was in many ways very typical 
of what would go on internally for an 18-year-old girl. And and so I say that the book, uh, my memoir, is mm-hmm. really a typical coming-of-age story in a lot of ways. It just happened to be set in a harem in Southeast Asia. <laughs> well, so just basic logistics. Was there payment if it wasn't? Indeed, there was payment. Okay. Um, it wasn't... It wasn't what was mm-hmm. promised. It, was, it wasn't 10 it grand was, a week. It was, it was more. Um, and I was there for, because I, the, the 10 grand a week, I mean, for two weeks, I, I wound up being there for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, back and forth, I did come back mm-hmm. to New York and then go back. But um, yeah. it, it all sort of, that stuff just dissolved. And it wasn't, there wasn't a contract, you know? Mm-hmm. So really it wasn't payment, Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was a gift. I see. A gift that they gave me when I was going home. Mm-hmm. A gift that they gave everyone mm-hmm. when they were going home. Sure. And the amounts differed. And also there were gifts throughout your stay there that were usually jewelry or clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You always jewelry. had like a nice place to stay and you were, you know, they fed you or. Oh, or yeah. You. Yeah. 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 Of course. Um, but then also there would be. There would be gifts on top of that. Interesting. And then when you left to go home, they would hand you an envelope full of cash. So yes, there was payment, but That's it's a, nice a little. Gift. I know. I yeah. love that gift. <laughs> it's a great gift. <laughs> I tried to ask for that for Valentine's Day. It didn't, it didn't work out. Um, it's the gift I give myself for my birthday every year. <laughs> Sounds nice. In ones, you can just here you go, Dave. You deserve it. Buy <laughs> yourself something pretty. Yeah. Um, that is so... So this, it's a real gray area. I would say that if you ask most of the women who were over there, they would not say that they were paid for sex. Right. You know, they would just say that they were there, they were guests, they were given a gift. Yeah, no, it's a more gentle, you know? it's it's a nicer way for right. that to go. Yeah. It's not so cold and black and white. Right. I mean, I like to kind of, call it how it is i'm a pretty straight shooter and you know i say that i was a prostitute mm-hmm. um and and i was in love with the guy you know mm-hmm. i loved the, the prince, prince? Mm-hmm. yeah i was interesting i did i fell in love with him and i will still say i was a prostitute you know mm-hmm. it it there's a lot of gray mm-hmm. area yeah i have such a problem with the way people look at sex work and prostitutes in general now i know there are negatives and positives a lot of people focus on the negatives and but i'm just i I don't know. I just think that it it's a beautiful I mean, I love travel and I love sex. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I love envelopes of money. So all of this like, oh, this is so great. Um <laughs> I love envelopes of money. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it just it's so for me it's not um a huge deal that there was there were gifts of money and that there was exchange of, of sex. Like it's just huh. but I find that it's to me, prostitution is so pushed away from from what's normal, bec- but it's so rampant because there is a demand for it. And oh yeah, you know it's funny. I totally agree with you. And that, I mean, the fact that prostitution is illegal is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, George agree. Carlin has an awesome joke about that. What is it? Uh, it is, oh, what is it? Uh, selling is legal. Fucking is legal. Why isn't selling fucking legal? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, and it's totally true. Well, and, it's true, and it really is 
the fact that prostitution isn't legal, I think is, is pretty pernicious because, you know, it makes it way more dangerous for women. It denies them health care. Uh, right. It denies them legal protection. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, and and they become victims of of a system that is a lot more destructive. Now, do I think that prostitution is a really super choice that's great for the soul and empowering to women? Um, for the most part, I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I I don't I don't I don't think it should be illegal. I believe. Uh, I believe in decriminalizing prostitution, uh, but I think that when I made the choice to engage in prostitution, there was no way I could have known the effect that that would have on the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had the effect of really um, not, it, it didn't give me the ability to dissociate because that I already had from being abused as a child, right? Okay. So that's why I was such a good prostitute. I see. Because I could just be totally not in my body at all and not feel what was happening to me. But I do think that that prostitution and that the sex work I engaged in really just drilled that in mm-hmm. so that I've spent the last 15 years trying to unravel that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that connection of sexuality and not being present in my body for me right um now i do know i do know porn stars sex workers prostitutes Mm -hmm. who are i feel present in their bodies and engaged and really like it they feel like it's kind of their gift to the world Mm -hmm. and they're educators and they're passionate about what they do very healing place yes and they're self-loving and i'm sure we're Mm -hmm. talking about some of the same people Mm -hmm. nina hartley and annie Mm -hmm. sprinkle both very good friends of mine um so i i always do feel the need to say that i know that there are exceptions but they are the exceptions right you know, I don't meet a whole lot of sex workers who I feel like are really connected to their bodies mm-hmm. and and engaged and present mm-hmm. and can be present in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of self-destruction. Sure. And well, I'm sure that has a lot. Uh, that's a lot of the reason that that prostitution is illegal. Because, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I'd say I'm pretty open minded and uh, and I don't mind that people do that on either side as long as it's one not forced and like it's consensual on both ends. Oh, totally. And, I mean, and there's a thing. Everybody's of age. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is a hard, it's a hard mountain for me to climb to accept so that there weren't n- right. Right. That there weren't like a lot of negatives because it became like, as you were telling the story of how you got into it, it became easier for me to, to understand. But when I think about it just on its own, like there must've been, there must've been nights when you didn't want to have sex or and you had to did that ever happen to you oh i i mean with the prince like it never occurred to me that there was a choice you know it wasn't like i wanted to or didn't want to have sex like if it you was wanted just to what have you sex did. it was just what i did you went well, with what you, was happening. i guess the the thing like with the prince i mean i guess I, that doesn't seem to me as because that that's like what you signed on for. But you also said right. that he brought friends with him. So did you ever have to no, go no, off? No, no, not uh, not me. But there were women who did. But I was sort of one of his favorite. I see girlfriends. But I did get given as a gift to his brother, the Sultan. At one point, I think I read. He did give me to his that. brother. Interesting. Yeah. Is that how you quit? 
or it, it wasn't how I quit. Uh, it was maybe one of the things that started me thinking that, you know, this wasn't really my boyfriend. <laughs> right, right. I see. <laughs> then maybe this wasn't the kind of boyfriend I could keep around right. for all that long. And He's I mean, I know that that, yeah, <laughs> the Prince Charming, eh, maybe not. Um, but yeah, his brother, the Sultan, it was a really interesting experience. You know, the Sultan of Brunei at that time was the richest man in the world. Mm-hmm. And wow. now he's like number four or mm-hmm. something. Knocked down. Yeah, oh. I know. He's get like, Bill Gates was <laughs> like, get out. Uh, oil schmoil. Um, but so, you know, I, I showed up in this hotel room in Malaysia when I was on a business trip with the prince and and there was a sultan and you know I I recognized him because his face was everywhere in Brunei it was on the wall of every business it was on the television the billboards the money and wow and, you know there he was in front of me so it you know there was a lot about it that really was a grand adventure mm-hmm. and that's what, always what I was looking for I just Got a little more than I bargained for. Right. Well, I mean, and forgive me, uh, if I ever ask anything that that you're not comfortable with, please let me know. I'm just so curious. Yeah, Uh, it's unlikely, but give it a shot. I would would imagine. You (laughs) did write a whole book (laughs) about it. I'm loving this uh, this Q&A. I'm just like getting to watch Dave and and be like... (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm fascinated. uh, So you said... What was it that you just said? I totally just forgot. Um, Yeah, about the Sultan. You said something like, like uh, that it was like it, that it was unexpected or or that that wasn't something you oh you got more than you bargained for yeah yeah what do you what do you mean by that um well like i said uh, you know i was like many adventurous 17 18 year olds who thought that you know i just knew everything sure. and i was making all of, I did. all of these choices as if you know, like I was so empowered um, mm-hmm. and I really and, and I was introduced to like sex positive feminism. And at the time in the early 90s, there was a lot of this uh, like sex work as an empowering choice kind mm-hmm. of dialogue in the in the feminist community. Um, sex work as art. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I felt like I was a part of that mm-hmm. tradition that that rhetoric you know made a lot of sense to me and but uh you know like many things you really think at that age you know what you're choosing what you're doing sure and well everything is romantic you know yeah and then there i was in the middle of it uh and it didn't feel so good yeah, yeah. um and i didn't like myself very mm-hmm. much and I wasn't happy. I mean, I, you know, I think happiness is, is a tricky one because I'm also somebody who suffers from depression. Sure. Uh, and I've been struggling with that my whole life. And yeah. I, you know, I never know that happiness exactly is the goal, but certainly, uh, I was pretty, pretty miserable in my own skin. And, uh, you know, I kept thinking that if I changed something on the outside that I would like myself. Oh. And, uh, and I kept liking myself less. If you change something on the outside, you know, like, like if I 
if I go halfway around the world or if I have, but if I make a lot of money or if I lose 10 pounds or if I, you know, get that acting job or if Mm -hmm. I, you know, something on the outside of me instead of just trying to be at peace with yourself. Right. And I'm Mm -hmm. gonna finally like myself. Yeah. If I only get that next thing. Yeah. Wow. I'm exactly like that. Yeah. Have you found, have you come into yourself a bit more since those days? Yes and no. Um, but I do know that it's not the next thing I'm going to change that's going to work. Right. I mean, I do know not to look for the answer there. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> well, that's good. A- that's like a major step, you know. <laughs> it was eating like cereal in the middle of the night last night. And I was just just cranky and restless. And I was just like, oh, I just. I ate all those puffins and I'm still not satisfied. <laughs> and my husband was like, do you know why? Uh-huh. And I was like, why? He said, because the answer isn't in that box. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's really deep. Wow, smart guy. <laughs> and I was like, yes, it is. Just give me another bowl. <laughs> Shut up. That's really funny. <laughs> Maybe it's in the popcorn container. Sure. That's right. You uh, you said that you're married to a bass player. I am. My husband's a musician. Right, yeah. For 10 years. Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, we're, we haven't been married for 10 years. Oh, okay. We've been together almost 10 years. And I think it's very <laughs> interesting that we were talking about prostitutes. Are, would you talk about that? Did oh, yeah, of course. That? Yeah, okay. I don't mind at all. We were talking about prostitutes. Um, be- Before we started recording, right. that Dave, he let that one go with, I think, Whiskey Dick, that episode. And I was oh, like, yeah. what? You have seen a prostitute? <laughs> yeah, I got a prostitute. I'm sorry. I, I just I did it once. At some point, I was like, oh, I know everything about Dave. I don't know anything about Dave now. There's no way that that in millions of eons you could possibly know everything there is to sorry that sounded so pretentious you know and that's true for relationships in general is it you is never true. really true. know everything about a person no matter that's how long true. you know that's true it's well, very true know. and would you want to i i mean you know every once in a while my husband he does he does impressions uh that's a little known fact about him really? and, and every once in a while he'll bust out with one i've never heard and i was like i've known you for 10 years i've never heard you do that one what <laughs> what is that who are you does he play bass like all day i just imagine like people who play bass walk around with a bass guitar and they answer questions by just going like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> that would be awesome uh, he would love that just do it hey man how are you and that's huh. good. That means yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I speak bass. Is that, what I'm saying that would be a super stoke up for a relationship. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, you would love that. I'm what? Sure. <laughs> um, I'm dating what a drum. You, what time He's are you getting home? I don't speak bass. <laughs> but what I was saying about ten years that actually occurred to me after uh, you and I chatted on the phone a little bit today, Sandra. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I just remember, you know, we're we're coming up on ten years, mm-hmm. and when we met, I said to him. And I could, I can't remember if I said, "Oh, you know, when we've been together ten years, we'll get a prostitute, or we'll have a threesome, or something." Oh man! Right? And I'm like, "Wow!" When you, you got to be careful what you say. You say uh-huh. this; it's like ten years. Just I had never even been in a relationship for a year and a half, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, "Oh my god!" I'm gonna have to say it's like married ten years, not yeah. together ten years. Um, How? What was? So we're sh- coming up on it. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. Why him? <laughs> if you have to be held to stuff like that though 
I don't know. I'm going to get some weird calls from my college girlfriend coming up here soon. You know yeah, I mean? you do, though. Sales you have cr- to you have to stick by that stuff. I mean, you think like my husband's going to let that slide. I think not. You know, That's he's going to be like, I'm calling it in. I'm calling in your chips. Th- right threesome, now. right? Threesome. This is Susie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> threesome. Yeah. We just met. <laughs> it's going to be like 1201 yeah. on September 9th, our anniversary. <laughs> I would hope you'd have some forewarning that, that was something that he was interested in, though. You know, I, I, I think it was just one of those things, like, basically saying, I won't let our sex life get boring. Yeah. You know, I won't let... Well, oh, there'll always be new adventures, right? Right. So, Maybe yeah. a whole sex life be an adventure. Right. Ten years, I mean, h- how do you keep it fresh? I mean, how do you... Well, prostitutes. Yeah, prostitutes, threesomes. No, <laughs> you nailed it. I'm not. Done. You know, I'm. I'm not totally a base. I probably That's wouldn't. How they do it. With all the uh, the thinking I've done about prostitution, I I really probably wouldn't hire a prostitute. Mm-hmm. I can't say. I wouldn't say never. But I just. I feel like I've done too much soul searching mm-hmm. about it to have to. Sure. I don't know. You just don't want it in your face anymore. I. I it's not even. I don't want it in my face. Just I. I feel like on a, an emotional level or even, I mean, not to be like, woo, woo, California, but uh, spiritual level like mm-hmm. that. I don't know that I'm interested in exchanging sex for money. Yeah. Okay. You know? That makes sense. Um, but yeah, threesome. Huh, who knows? We haven't, but I would. Mostly, I mean, we tried at one point. We were in Japan, and I was like, "This is this is the place to do it. If you're going to do it, do it out of town, right? Yeah, do it with totally. You, they can't even speak mm-hmm. the language. You can just it'll be awkward, but you won't even yeah. know why. They're smaller. <laughs> you can threaten them. <laughs> you can kick them out when yeah. you know when they're crying. There's no loss there. Yeah. You can wow. hurt anyone um, you no. want. <laughs> wow. But uh, Japanese so, people cry a lot. That's uh, <laughs> That's the. This is the racist part of the show. <laughs> and it was one of the when they're happy. Where, like, <laughs> and then, but really, when he's on tour, he's working so hard, mm-hmm. and you're so jet lagged and exhausted that every time, like after every show, I'd be like, I don't know. Do you want? Do you want to go trolling for chicks right now? Like, <laughs> I mean, are we gonna order a pizza? And I. Where let's just go home. I'll suck it. Come on, I, I'm yeah. tired. We'll pretend I'm two people. Yeah, just, just pretend I'm two people. I'll just I'm two people. like That's a awesome. wig on something. Um, is your is your husband in a band that we would know? I mean, like, my is husband is the bass player for the band Weezer. Oh, okay. oh no way. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Well, that's, that's a good, band a good that nerd. That's a band. very big yeah. band. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Am that's I, a yeah. band that I love dearly. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, no, it's a great band. They're great. great. Songs. Yeah. They are great. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. fun. Yeah. It's a fun life. I'm st- I'm like blown away. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Um No, I just uh I'm currently dating a musician in my in my life. What and what flavor? He's of the musician. bassist for the band Weezer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you if you've met um, him. Um a local actually an amazing band called Dust Bowl Revival. Uh and uh, oh, yeah. he's the mandolin player. Um Ooh, They're so good. Excellent. Lots of bluegrass folky stuff. But the point is that I went just out of town to kind of explore what it was being hanging out with a band and uh-huh. It's it's a world I didn't even know existed. Just being with the band in a groupy people following the it's just and it's very it's obviously you're dealing with a whole different level, but it's interesting. It's fun, you know. I'm friends with all the Weezer super groupies. Yeah, because I I 
totally get them. I uh-huh. love them. I'm like, we tweet at each other. <laughs> like, did you see that True Blood episode? <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem. I'm not threatened by groupies. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think it's fantastic. You know? I like, like that. Super Just fans, stoke, right? Yeah. Stoke my husband up. You know, he should have beautiful women mm-hmm. showing him their boobs. He'll be like, hey, I got a lot of boobs. <laughs> and they don't get oh, that's their, it's Weezer. They don't get that many boobs, you know? Just, just one nipple but once in a while. They do get boobs yeah. once in a while. Boobs that are wearing uh, black frame glasses. <laughs> the booby flashing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a very specific kind of nerd boob flashing. Yeah. Yeah. But, I don't uh, know this nerd. What is this reference to? The glasses and the nerds wear flashing. black frame glasses. Oh, I thought it was referencing to a specific song or something. No. Like, what? Yeah, nerd boob no, glasses by like Weezer. Uh, <laughs> flashing the flashing. The new the Weezer what? single, <laughs> nerd boob glasses flashing. Okay, uh, I'm all overanalyzing you know, it like a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. all of that is super. I think that I'm. You know, I mean, it's not like we're in some big open relationship or mm. anything because we're not. But. We're not, ladies. We are not. Um, <laughs> Check yourself. They're not. But I think that anything that, you know, makes him feel like a big man, like mm-hmm. gets his uh, kundalini going, nice. is going to benefit me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care where you get your appetite as long as you eat at home. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. And yeah, stoking people's fires and letting other people help build that um, can be really hot. No. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, when my husband is, uh, you know, shopping for Christmas gifts or whatever, he's always like, "We could try this on." I mean, not like in the lingerie store or anything, but you know, a coat or whatever, <laughs> sweater, and he'll tell me about it. <laughs> like, he'll ask what is someone, wrong with you? He'll like ask, he'll ask the sales girl to try the sweater on so he could see how it looks on. Okay, you know. He's flirting. He flirts. Oh, okay. With, I see. Yeah. He will fl- he'll flirt with the local barista and the sure. girl at the store in the mall. And and I think that that's great. I yeah. think it's fine. Yeah. I do. I mean, he tells me, and then I give him a hard time about it. <laughs> yeah. But that's just, yeah. It's all fun. It's fun for him to tell me. It's fun for him to do it. Yeah. It's fun for me to give him a hard time about mm. it. But now, if you were doing similar things to men, would he be okay with that? Like, just in terms of, and why are you okay with it? Is it like, because a lot of women wouldn't be, or people wouldn't be okay with it. Right. Yeah, it would be tough for me to deal with, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, because I think that we have a really strong foundation of trust. Nice. I I trust him 100%. I really do. And um, I just think... I wouldn't be with this guy forever. That's mm-hmm. the plan. The yeah. plan is yeah. for as long as one of us, yeah, so both of us is fun, al- right? are alive. You know? So like, I'm going to just ask him to shut down. I mean, his whole sexuality in the world. I mean, I, I don't want him going out and having sex with, you know, his trainer at the mm-hmm. gym or mm-hmm. something. But, you know, I, I think that flirtation is really healthy and that mm-hmm. it's really great. And I think that it benefits it benefits him to feel a little bit free. Yeah. It benefits me for him to be happy. Yeah. You know? And I, and I feel free too, but it's not like I mean, I'm not gonna ask someone to try something on at a store. It's just different. I have a different 
Um, could you yeah. pick that up for me? Oh, could you lift that box? Yeah, Thank I, you. I definitely flirt. <laughs> I definitely flirt with people in the world. I just, you know. It's different. It's just different, yeah. I think. Now you, uh, I couldn't have said it better myself in terms of the trust and letting people be free to be who they are. Uh, I think so many people feel like they have to shut down that part of themselves or hide that part where you're flirting with other people or find other people attractive um, because your partner might find that mm, scary or won't like that. Right, or, or don't look at other women right. while you're with me. Like, please, look at other women. I mean, mm-hmm. the idea is that you, you know, just became blind and right from the day you met me, you never saw anyone else. Right. It's only me. I mean... You know, what we have is a, a partnership in the world that is a, a profound and challenging thing, mm-hmm. a marriage, you know? Sure. And um, I, I just think that the ways that we stay alive mm-hmm. in our sexuality and in our souls can only benefit each other. Yeah. That's great. It's a great outlook. I, uh, yeah, I aspire to that. Now, here's a question. Okay. Okay. So, well, I have several questions, but you have a small child. Yes. We have a four-year-old son. He's going to be four next month. Nice. Adorable. So, kindergarten almost. Almost. Almost there. He's the lead singer of Weezer. <laughs> he is. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's a. Uh, He's going to be the lead singer of something <laughs> soon, I'll tell yeah. you. My yeah. son is a star. He's a star. Is I he? love it. <laughs> but he is. Yeah. He's not joking around. I love it. Um, but what was um, sex- your sexuality like during your pregnancy? Uh, my son is adopted. Oh, well, then never mind. So oh. I was never pregnant. That's right. Yeah. That's what your third book is about. My third book is, is about our whole journey with infertility and how we came to adopt my son. Yeah. It's funny oh, wow. how I was thinking about, you were talking about kids and I immediately, because you said that earlier and somehow I did not, sorry. But but there's a I mean I have a lot to say about mm-hmm. what it was like when we were trying to get pregnant and when we were going through infertility oh, and how sex shifted mm-hmm. from you know what it is when you first meet someone from you know an expression of love and uh, you know and and in many ways a creative expression and a way to communicate and a way mm-hmm. to just spiritually connect with somebody sure. and um, and turned into a uh, goal-oriented, right. you know, highly regimented, charted, uh, like, on calendars experience, and then progressively, uh, you know, turned into more and more of a, a medicalized I see. process, right. you know, until there was no sex involved in it at all. Wow. Um, and the way that I felt... Alienated from my body in in a way that was so I, I couldn't even ever have mm-hmm. imagined mm-hmm. that I would feel so betrayed by my body is mm-hmm. when I couldn't get pregnant. I hear um, you. And so I mean, if I thought that sex work was a, distanced me from my body, you know, infertility was another thing that has been such a challenge for to come back to um, a sexual relationship with my husband that is yeah. that is just 
joyful and Mm -hmm. is exactly what it is and isn't about anything else and doesn't, you know, have any residue of that time. We tried to get pregnant for five years. So it was a extensive thing. Um, What helps? What helped you reconnect with your body and with your partner? Well, it's been time. um, And also now we have such different challenges uh, with because we have a four year old, you know, our son also sleeps in bed with us. So, you Mm -hmm. know, we have family bed. And Mm -hmm. um, so having sex, finding time for sex in our life is a whole other kind of scheduling problem. Um, But you know, I I think it was time and it was a lot of a lot of work, like a lot of sort of soul searching work, a lot of body work that I did with myself, like therapeutically. I've done a lot of stuff like movement therapy and like rolfing and, and things like that. that kind of, what is rolfing? It's it's like massage almost but it's like myofascial release like they it's a really really deep painful massage oh okay that that where they like what does myofascial mean i don't know it's um i mouth myofascial (laughs) i was trying to think like partially face related no no Uh, it's like uh (laughs) the i'm gonna say like the linings of your kind of muscle tissue okay and and to just release these very deep and like memorized patterns of of like pain and tension in your body, um, because I really have held on to I think a lot of physical damage and pain and it's like giving yourself sure. a full restart. Yeah, with yeah. your muscles. And it's yeah, that sounds great and difficult, <laughs> very difficult. Yeah, get and I rolfed. dance and stuff, and that's get really <laughs> you'll get rolled. <laughs> I totally wrote that down. Like she did, to get she wrote rolfed. it in her notebook. Dear Sandra, get I rolled. dance and I do yoga, and that's been really important. Okay, to me too. Um, so yeah, what kind of dance? I do rolfing, just... <laughs> rolf, rolf dance, rolf dance. Sorry, it's a good word. You know, nothing, nothing special. I mean, I, I just do sort of a, a contemporary jazz class and I've gotten into um, doing a little bit of ballet again, which has been oh, cool. incredibly healing for me because I'm somebody who was so kind of sad that I didn't get to be a ballerina as a little girl. There, are lots, there are lots of girls I met yeah. who regret not having dance classes as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had the classes. I was just too... Fat. Coordinated. Oh, 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 you like wanted to go for the gold. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, funny. And they were like, eh, not so much. A little fat, not so good. So, yeah. Oh, Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So, to go back and be able to do that as a grown up and not care Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Not have the same body issues that I once did. Not, you know. Have, have not been goal oriented about it. Just allowing myself to enjoy my body has been really helpful. Awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. Cool. Yeah, no, I find dance. I mean, I'm. You mentioned before that um, from your childhood issues and then um, through your, you know, prostitution, basically, that you really separated yourself from your body. And I mean, do you find that dance is a way to really feel really grounded in yourself? Yeah. Like, I do. For me, it is. Yeah. I I always regret, um, regret. 
I always recommend <laughs> to to women especially who are I mean not present for whatever mm-hmm. reason. So many people just sexually aren't able to just yeah. be experiencing what they're experiencing and honestly express from that place. Yeah. Instead of kind of doing this act or somewhere else or in their head. Right. That that kind of physical movement the acting, is acting the performative aspect I think of sex for a lot of women is really challenging to get past. That's yeah, hard. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I find myself doing it, it's like, oh, no, no. And then I just breathe, get yeah. really quiet. What do you mean by that? What? what? Seriously, what do you mean by that? The performative. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm aware of this phenomenon, but I don't like, you just said that you both do it personally. Oh, what is it? What do you mean? Like, um, like if I'm on bottom, right, or it's missionary position, and uh-huh. let's say the groove isn't necessarily working for me, like what they're, what they're doing, like the in out, like But you'll pretend motion. that you're... Well, I'll just find myself, I'll kind of, but I'll be happy in that space, but then I'll find myself giving off signals, like, you know, ooh, or whatever my vocalizations are, and like where my hands are, that are telling a different story than what I'm experiencing, and I'm telling a story of me really enjoying it, when really I'm just mildly enjoying it. Interesting. Right. So for me, I'll just notice that I'm not being honest as to where I'm coming from. Right. And I'll go beyond that and say that I think that women are hyper conscious of how their bodies look and how they're presenting Mm -hmm. in any position or any one time. So like, you know, you don't want to do that because you know that even even if you're, even if that might feel the best for you, like you're going to have a big fat roll if you do that. So you're not going to do that. You know, so it's like you're constantly like, the cinematographer and the director and you're acting in the scene and you're and um yeah and well, I think where does it, the orgasm fit in there <laughs> well i think that's, that for a lot of women it doesn't fit in there yeah Man, that's, that's where it goes. it's more Nowhere. important to be like to organize the man's experience or manipulate the man's experience to get the validation than it is to actually be present in our own bodies and to have physical pleasure mm-hmm. You know, to like own that as something that, you know, is important. Yeah. Well, every girl I've ever slept with was so pleased she didn't have to act. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean about this acting? Isn't that such a man question? What do you mean? Well, I mean. They don't. (laughs) Well, that wasn't what I meant, uh, fortunately. But you're. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I've never had this discussion with women before. Mm -hmm. I've had it about faking orgasms. And it has certainly occurred to me, especially watching, especially with like the more pornography that I watch. I'm like, yeah, a lot of this is acting. Um, You think it is? I mean, but no. Yes, it is. But look at it from from my perspective. Like, (laughs) why would it be? Because it doesn't make any sense to me to fake Mm -hmm. something during sex. Right. Except to, I mean, for me, it, I don't know. I have I have faked an orgasm once, I think, and I have faked being into it so as not to hurt someone's feelings like yeah. once or twice. Right. I think men fake I think that they're faking too in, in some instances like emotional mm-hmm. involvement in something. Mm-hmm. You know, I God, I don't do that. And like that is really cuddling. unfortunate unfortunate yeah. that people do that shit. I think yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. Um yeah, just all around. I think that we should just all be honest. But one thing, like I've never actually thought about this before, but I'm realizing that when a guy is on bottom, let's say I'm on top, right, and I'll see that sometimes they're like, "Ooh, I really like that," and they'll go like, "Oh, I like, ooh, yeah," and then sometimes they're just really still and just 
experiencing me on top and not doing anything, which mm-hmm. is fine, or just sort of running their hands over my body. And they'll just close their eyes. or And so they are able to just allow themselves to just be present and not necessarily perform for me or right. let me know anything going on and that was, sometimes drives me crazy but it, it's fine but <laughs> but like I don't I'm ex, I'm express I'm figuring okay this is more for me right now I'm just gonna go and do what I want to do right now but if I'm on bottom I still feel like I need to somehow give validation the entire time that I'm there right. and so in terms of like I mean this is a very heteronormative way of I mean it's just partners some people are more expressive or more fakey and some people are just very quiet you know it is yeah. a heteronormative way to, to speak uh-huh. about it but that's I mean that's the reference point that Jillian and I are coming mm-hmm. from so I mean right yeah yeah I mean it's I true. just pointed out to you know point it sure out. Yeah. I do wonder I mean I bet it it's not even it's not always a gender thing I bet that there are people in, in homosexual relationships or, or, or relationships involving transgendered people that uh that are more or less comfortable mm-hmm. with that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I, sure. I mean, and uh, I had relationships with women also at, mm-hmm. at other times of my life. I'm, I'm bisexual. Mm-hmm. And uh, although I have definitely been in a, you know, more hetero dynamic for mm-hmm. a long time, but I still was always the, I think the, the performative aspect has to do with like identifying as an object mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, that you are very aware of yourself as a visual object yeah. in how you're participating in the sexual experience. And I was always that with a woman mm-hmm. too. We like, are the I scene. always, I, yeah, we are the scene. And that, and that is part of my sexuality as mm-hmm. well. It just is, is less so now mm-hmm. than it, has been mm-hmm. more i'm like and is it just because i'm too lazy to go upstairs and get a pair of shoes on i don't know <laughs> well i think I, but, I don't know that makes that makes total sense to me just the way that i don't know if it's if if it's how human beings have socialized or if it's actually our anatomy in our evolution but the mm-hmm. way that it works and has historic historically worked is that the men chase the women so the men have to learn to go for something and the women have to learn to be caught, how to be caught. Or run know? really fast. Or run really <laughs> fast. But I mean, in this situation, they are, want to be caught right. by the most, by the, uh, the I don't know, the best hunter, whatever. Uh, this is ter- <laughs> terrible lingo I'm using. We're, we're there with you. So, yeah. Now that I think about it, that makes sense. But it is unfortunate just because it's not really the way that it is anymore. And I will I will add one caveat about I would say one of the reasons that I don't I don't think about that stuff during sex is hmm. because I and generally the whole world finds the male body to be like apish. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just in general. So like I don't really think there's anything I can do to uh make a woman like any more or less ambivalent or excited <laughs> about where I'm at. Like she's already agreed to see me with my clothes off. That's insane to me. Right. You know, like I'm not worried anymore right. at all, even though I'm insanely insecure. Well then there's also this. <laughs> I, first of all, I think the male body is beautiful. A lot of, yeah, that's new but, in my brain in like the past year. But I understand where that comes from. For sure. But also I think that then there is, you know, and, and of course there are a million exceptions to this too uh but the idea that men are more visual 
mm-hmm. in their sexuality and women are more what experiential emotional, or something oral. emotional you know that um you know i do know women who you know get off just watching porn but i think it's it's far more of a male thing sure. or far mm-hmm. you know so you know i i think that some of the performative aspect is about that mm-hmm. you know is sort of being aware of that and playing to that um but also i think that there's a, a level of dishonesty that can mm-hmm. di- can disconnect women from their bodies in that the acting sure Com- coming out of um all that in your your young years your young years but like your you know, uh-huh. your youth I was young. you know yeah, the young. teenage yes. years the childhood and all that all the stuff that you mentioned and then coming into like later 20s and whatnot do you remember a moment where you connected more with yourself sexually and you were able to find yourself more in your body you know there wasn't a moment i, mm-hmm. I think it was a really complicated journey that had a lot of hills and valleys but um i got sober mm-hmm. uh in my late 20s and i don't really think that it was until after that oh, i see yeah right. and i met my husband shortly after about a year after cool. so That's yeah great. so i really have, have kind of grown up with mm-hmm. him as a sexual being who is fully present and not gowed on drugs and alcohol sure. and not yeah you know checked out for whatever other reason mm-hmm. Ask you. I'm going to ask you. This is kind of a personal question, but I mean, we're talking about personal yeah, stuff, as opposed to. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious about your your orgasms on uh-huh. if um, in those years like that you were at the uh, in Brunei that you were orgasmic. I was not. Okay, I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, no, I wasn't. Okay. Do yeah, you... I mean, with myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were able to achieve orgasm, like you'd you'd found yes. the path, just not during sex. Yes, with okay. other people. Okay, yeah, because it's like I'm not like the easiest. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not, uh, you girl, know. let me tell you, mm, I, <laughs> I concur. I agree. <laughs> me too. When people are like, "Oh, I, I, you know, I masturbate on an airplane," like I have these friends who like masturbate in public bathrooms. I'm like, for fuck's sake! Like I'd be in there for 45 minutes, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like really? Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but so <laughs> just physiologically, it takes me a little longer. So if I'm with a partner who's not who I'm there for their pleasure, mm-hmm. you know, which was true of the prince. Um, I'm not going to come because yeah. I'm not going to be like, um, you know, that's going <laughs> to, you're going to have to work at that for a little while. <laughs> right. I was just so. curious. I mean, because, um, cause if you had been, sometimes that can be a little bit of a, a challenge to sort of like, Oh, I'm having an intense experience of pleasure, but then, just I was still having an intense experience of pleasure, mm-hmm. but I was not orgasmic. Okay. So it wasn't like that kind of, uh, you know, I think, mm-hmm. what, endorphin. I mean, it wasn't such an overpowering right. experience. But I was having an experience of pleasure. I did find it pleasurable to be with him. I found the power really pleasurable, physically pleasurable to me, the power exchange, you know. But um, okay. but not orgasm. Mm-hmm. You know, that has been infrequent with mm-hmm. my sexual partners mm-hmm. in my life. Okay. There's been a few, but managed to get there, but not well, a lot. Yeah, no, the, the act of being able to orgasm through manual stimulation and not 
uh, vibration. Oh, it's a lifelong challenge for me too. So yeah. 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 Um, anyway, Jillian, thank you for coming by and talking with us. Thanks so much for so having much me. personal stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. Jillian is actually performing on uh, my storytelling show on March 3rd. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm excited. That's going to be, be fun. Great. Are you uh, going to be telling <coughs> harem stories? I am. Sorry to call I, that. I think. <laughs> yes. You are? Okay. Yes. I believe I am going to. I'm not going to promise you because, you know, who knows? No, please. I yeah. Uh, I haven't really decided exactly, but I think I will. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, then, mo- very possibly, you'll be hearing stories of that. But either way, uh, yeah, you should come. It's uh, at 8 p.m. at Stories, Books, and Cafe in uh, Echo Park, Los Angeles, California. I just wanted to plug that. We're both here. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, sex nerds. Until next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Jillian, we uh, just recorded a whole podcast, and I forgot to ask you what your sex tip is. My sex tip is... For married women uh-huh. or married anyone, uh-huh. is that you should not wait until you're in the mood. You should make the mood. Yeah. Because, yeah, I have a four year old, and if I waited till I was in the mood, I'd be waiting till his bar mitzvah. <laughs> so <laughs> I make the mood happen. Right. Like the arousal comes in the act of going for it. It does. Sometimes you just gotta, you know. You just got to take off your socks and, you know, like take off your sweat socks and your dirty T-shirt and just do it. Make it happen. And the arousal comes. All right, guys. Make it happen. That's what, I'm, that's what we're saying. So uh, do it a lot. Now leaving Nerdist.com.